I need a reset. You know, recently you were talking about doing the Monday reset with the diet. So talking about New Year's resolutions. New Year's resolutions and how about three weeks down the road we fall off the wagon and instead of beating ourselves up, doing a Monday reset, just Mm -hmm. every Monday starting the week over. I'm all over it. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. I've got to have a reset right now. Things have gone crazy. Yeah, we've had a weird week. Things have gone crazy, and we're behind on some things, including getting this podcast up, but we're getting it up. Well, you know, my dad, for years, would say, life is what happens to you when you've made other plans. Oh, and I had other plans, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And then life happened. Yeah, life happens. But the good thing is, we can start over. Now, I normally do, believe it or not, a Friday reset. That's when I do my weekly review, and I go through all of the things I should have done, could have done, would have done, or did. And I look ahead in my calendar, and I look back in my calendar, and looking back in my calendar reminds me of things that I need to do because of commitments I may have made that I may have forgotten. And the weekend, our weekends, are fairly busy. And this weekend, we've been extremely busy, but we've got a lot accomplished. We're starting to accomplish some of those, or at least attempt and get into some of the things that we know we need to do. And so we're getting into them. And there, some things are taking faster timetables mm-hmm. and some things are taking longer. You know, we're, we're getting in there. So listeners, th- thanks for sticking with us. You know, I know a lot of you are starting very similar kinds of things. And you're, you may have gotten frustrated with yourself. But give yourself some grace. Like mm-hmm. Mark said, it's reset time. And. It, you know, life cost us an episode last week. Yeah, it, it did. Oh, it and did. It, boy, I hate missing an episode, but it could not be helped at that particular time. So anyway, let's talk about some of the things that we've been doing and some of the things that we're going to do. And we're putting in a new current event segment. And let's talk a little bit about a couple of things going on. Mm-hmm. And then we will get into seven ways to purify water. Okie doke. You know that Krista believes water, water, water is the first nine things that needs to be on your list. I'm always going to cling to that truth. Mm -hmm. Because we can't live without it. We really can't. Cannot. We'll get into seven methods of purifying water in just a few minutes. But we've got a new sponsor coming on next week. We're excited about that, and we'll tell you more probably toward the end of the week uh, who that and what that is. We have actually built a new studio and office space. We've made things much more effective, much more user-friendly, so to speak, for us. We like it. Oh, yes. Yes, we've even dedicated a portion of it to my keyboard and some music as well, so we've got my keyboard actually in the office space. Mark has spent the weekend remodeling and moving furniture and putting this over here and that over there. And, and, uh, it's just a little bit more 
Very much user-friendly. Very yeah. much. And it's probably better to say that we have a little bit of office space in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I like that... the way you've configured your desk in an L shape. Mm-hmm. You literally have two separate workspaces. You've got your podcast space, and then you've got your office and amateur radio space. Yes, under the printer, and I jacked the printer up. I raised it up on a, a riser shelf, set of shelves, and they were actually started life as shoe shelves. Yeah. And I said that correctly, mm-hmm. shoe shelves. <laughs> and that holds the printer and all of the radio equipment is now under that. So I actually don't have to move to a different chair if I want to talk on the radio. Yeah, it's very convenient. Very, and very, very convenient. Good use of space. And so anyway, we're very happy and proud about that. And another thing, I think we announced this not long ago, is that we're going to open a prepper shopping area. Yeah, this will be a website. It's an online shopping resource. Right. And we don't want to give you that yet because it's not up, but it will be up before the end of the month. Now, another thing that we decided, and we're just sharing this with you, is that 10% of every dollar that comes in to P3 Media, and that's what we have named the parent company when we did the formal legal paperwork. And somebody asked the other day, said, what does P3 stand for? And I said, Practical Prepping Podcast. But P3 Media covers not only the podcast, but it covers Krista's music and the efforts that she does there with Covenant Ministries. And so we have just made the decision to give back by giving 10% of every dollar that comes in to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Yes, this has been an organization that's been very close to our heart and our family. We have a daughter who is deeply involved on the fundraising end of it and has met with some of the directors of St. Jude's and has been responsible for uh, some wonderful, very important fundraisers. For those of you that may not be aware, as we have listeners all around the world, St. Jude's is a research hospital for children who have childhood cancers. And because of their groundbreaking research, which they wonderfully share with other hospitals and medical facilities all over the world, many children's lives have been saved and they've been healed and they do not bill the family. The family does not pay for the treatment or the housing or the food or anything that's associated with their time there at St. Jude's. It's a tremendous and wonderful effort that's been in existence, I think, over 60 years, Mm -hmm. founded by the late actor Danny Thomas. Mm -hmm. This was a cause very near and dear to his heart. And we know that that supporting this type of, of effort is going to be very heartily received by other people. So when you support us, and to that we say thank you from the bottom of our hearts, you also have a part in assisting the support that goes to St. Jude's, and we just believe that that is a very worthy cause. And if you would like to donate directly to St. Jude's, you can go to our website, www.practicalprepping.info, and scroll down on the right-hand side. There is a tab there that says St. Jude's Children's Hospital. Click onto that, and it will take you directly to their donation website. They'll take cash, they'll take cards, they'll take your check. Um, You know, they probably won't take your kids if they're healthy. But Well, I'll tell you, too, that if you're ever in the Memphis, Tennessee area, 
you can make arrangements to tour the facility. Mm -hmm. It is a fascinating and wonderful place. I highly encourage your support of this very, very worthy cause. Okay, moving on. Let's do a little bit of commentary under the current events. And this is not all that current. I mean, it goes back a couple of weeks. And I want to make some comments about the DeMar Hamlin situation. DeMar Hamlin is a football player with the Buffalo Bills. He is a safety, a defensive safety. And after a tackle a few weeks ago, he collapsed on the field and went into cardiac arrest. There's all kind of speculation that sudden trauma disrupted his heart, lung, electrical rhythm, and uh, that's very, very plausible. I actually understand how that could happen. But I want to look more at the saving of his life. Yes, it was an amazing event. It all took place on television. and There were several you know, factors that were involved in saving this man's life. Yeah, and it wasn't just luck. No, not at all. It was a divine intervention. And the first thing that we saw was prayer. Yes. The teams immediately began to kneel down and go to prayer. Even the host of the TV program that was broadcasting it at that point in time had prayer on the air. Mm -hmm. And it hit social media. Yes. Millions instantly went into prayer. Millions. Now, second thing, and, and we attribute his living today to the fact that God intervened in that situation. In many areas. In many areas, yes. yes. Second thing, factor that comes into him being alive today is somebody knowing CPR. Yes, they had to start that before even the, the actual doctors or or licensed medics they had team trainers that were out there already doing cpr now i understood that a player actually started i'm not positive about that but i understood the same thing that a player had started the cpr and it kind of points to the importance of us knowing cpr because somebody around us loved one acquaintance stranger may go into cardiac arrest, and we need to know how to do CPR. And the new hands-only CPR, you don't have to do mouth-to-mouth. Yes, and that's it saves lives. It, it's it does. Okay. And there were, and this is another issue, trained medical personnel nearby. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they had teams on the sidelines. Every team has a doctor. There was an ambulance in the stadium compound there, and they drove that right out onto the field. I understand it was a very special kind of ambulance, too. Well, it, it it's called ACLS, Advanced Cardiac Life Support, and most ambulances on the road today have that. It's oh, okay. not just for transport, but it has the cardiac monitors, it has the drug boxes and the various things that are needed, and so they had everything they needed right there. And that is one of the reasons why you saw that ambulance sit there for a little bit. Drove right out onto the field. Drove out onto the field. And when they got him into it, uh, they weren't in a big hurry to leave because they were administering life-saving drugs right there. And that takes a minute. So that, you know, some folks have had a question of why didn't they throw him in the ambulance and take off? Well, that ambulance is about a level three trauma center in the back of that ambulance. Consider him already hospitalized at that point. He's getting exactly the same care right there Mm -hmm. that he could get in the hospital. So he went to the hospital. He went into ICU. 
and he was not breathing originally, and he was on a respirator, and then he began to breathe on his own. He came off of that. He woke up, and his first words were, did, did we, we win? win? <laughs> well, and I thought, you know, the doctor chuckled, you know, when he heard that. Well, he told him, you won the game of life. Yeah, he you said, know, you won, buddy. You were yeah. dead, now you're alive. Exactly. You won the game of life. I understand that he also FaceTimed from the hospital to the uh, fellow team members. And and I want to also say that T. Higgins, the other player from mm-hmm. the Bengals that was involved in that tackle, he never left DeMar's bedside. He right. was at the hospital the whole time DeMar was mm-hmm. there. And I think prayers went up for him, too, because this young man took this especially hard. He was involved in the tackle, and he felt some uh, maybe guilt or something. He shouldn't have, but... You know, that's a lot to lay on a young man's shoulders. Yeah. The good thing what you were where you were headed is that DeMar participated through FaceTime in the next team meeting. He got in touch with them to thank them and to tell them he loved him mm-hmm. and Oh, they were know, so delighted to th- see They that. were. And then this past weekend, yesterday day day before, anyway, this this last end of the week, I understand that he actually dropped by the team meeting to thank them personally. released from the hospital, sent home to recover. It's a miracle. We just praise God for it. It was. And I saw him, I saw a photograph of him in the bed, and he had a sign there that said, God's using me a different way today. Yeah. Yeah. And so. 24 years old. He's a believer, and he was giving God the credit for that, and he remembered that. God could still use him, and just imagine the testimony that he has now. Oh, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal. It's it's tremendous. Second thing I wanted to talk about, and many of you may or may not be aware of this. I actually saw it on the news today, and that is that the Biden administration demands gun owners register or surrender lawfully owned rifles or face 10 years in jail. Mm. Now, what this involves is the AR-15 pistols and the pistol brace, which this was designed as a way to allow disabled people to participate in the sport of sport shooting with an AR. And these pistols have seven, or most of them have 11-inch barrels. Yeah. And this brace wraps around your wrist to stabilize that gun so that you can shoot it one-handed. And now, and, and they've been legal. There's some 40 million of them in the population today. Are you talking about 40 million of this particular gun? Well, of the brace. Oh, I see. I brace. see. Got you. That's a lot. That's a lot. The figures I read, somewhere between 10 and 40 million are attached to a rifle today. Mm-hmm. Under this new ATF regulation, yeah, which take place in about 120 days, well, it's 120 days after it's posted in the federal registry. Right. So about 125 days from now, if you have one of these and it's attached to your rifle, you would become a felon. Well, what this uh, ATF director has has gone along with this, and this is what has sort of incensed us a bit, is that they're bypassing it going to the Supreme Court or involving themselves with any constitutional 
argument by going directly to the ATF and the ATF director, you know, works at the pleasure of the president. And so he's his name is Stephen Dettelbach, and he has gone along with this. You said that instead of me. Well, you can have a regulation that is enforceable, you Mm -hmm. know, as a law. And so this is their way of circumventing the the arguments that are naturally going to start rising up. And so they're saying that these legal and peace-loving, law-abiding gun citizens have to pay $200 to register, alter, destroy, or surrender. You know, one of those four, that's your choice. You pay me the 200 bucks, and you pick one of those four. Well, if you're going to keep it. The two hundred bucks is to register. Oh, the two hundred is to register and keep it. To register and keep it as a short-barreled rifle. Okay, but are they still also requiring that you alter it? Not if you pay the two hundred dollars. If you pay the two hundred dollars, you're getting mm-hmm. the the license to own what you already have. Well, yes, but <laughs> it's like a property if, tax. <laughs> if you start to buy, if, if you go today to buy a machine gun, or you go to buy a suppressor or you go to buy a 12-inch shotgun, 12-inch barrel, you have to fill out the NFA, National Firearms Act, paperwork. Right. Which goes back to 1968. There's a $200 fee with that. It has to be signed off by the police chief or the top law law enforcement authority in your area. Where you live. Yeah. And it could be the sheriff if you live in the county. It could be the chief if it's a city mm-hmm. and then it goes with your fingerprints and it goes through an extensive background check with all of that and maybe six months nine months later you get the letter back that okay you have been approved and you can buy that it falls under the same thing as a machine gun hmm. it becomes a short barreled rifle i understand what some of them are saying it, with the brace, it could be shoulder-fired. I, I do understand that. But it's so much easier to have that shorter AR, especially for home defense or something like that, mm-hmm. because it's much more maneuverable than a full length. And it's not as accurate when you're shooting out at distance. So its real only benefit is close quarters, is the maneuverability. So we're talking about a firearm that inherently of itself is not going to be changed in the firing of the projectile. It's just simply the addition of that brace to put it to the shoulder that's hawking these people off. Yes. And what they're saying is that that is getting around the regulation of the rifle barrel must be 18 inches or longer. Is that a reference to that century-old congressional Al Capone days? Yeah, back in Al Capone days, you know, they had short barrel shotguns. They had short barrel rifles. The inventors of the drive-by. Yeah. yeah, I mean, seriously. They'd drive by and throw a lot of lead out the window with Mm -hmm. the Tommy guns. Tommy guns, yeah. And so that went into where you had to have the stamp, the tax stamp yeah. is what they actually call it. They were it. just but trying it, to crack down a, on it. It's the, a permit fee. Yeah. And when it was put in, 200 bucks was an extremely oh. large amount of money, but oh. that's not changed. Yeah. I mean, that'd be like paying 10 grand, 10, 10 today. Grand yeah. today. Uh-huh. Their intent was to keep these weapons away from common people. 
Now, what gripes me is that this actually destroys part of the Second Amendment. Yeah. The Second Amendment says that the right to own a gun shall not be infringed. Well, this is an infringement. Yeah. But it also makes all of these weapons after, you know, a little over three months from now. However, I know that the NRA and several others are working over the weekend to get the papers ready to file tomorrow against this. Yeah. I don't think it will stand in the end. This may go all the way to the Supreme Court like the bump stocks did. Bump stocks, I don't care for them. They're a novelty. Yeah, I'd like to play with one sometime, but I've actually shot fully automatic on a number of times, and I don't see the bump stock being any more enjoyable to shoot, and I can get access to full automatic weapons to fire those with a phone call. That's not a problem. Well, the the takeaway that I get from this type of announcement Mm -hmm. and everything else that's like it is that there's a tremendous amount of energy and money being, I, I say, wasted toward law-abiding citizens who are not causing problems. But I don't see this level of energy and attention being given toward the commission of a crime and the apprehension of the criminal to the degree that they're trying to go after a peaceful, law-abiding, no-problem citizen at large. It's just, it's it's an all or none. They're not addressed. They talk about gun violence, but that's where they stop. They don't talk about the criminal act of using a weapon, any weapon. You know, the, a crime has been committed. A criminal or criminals need to be apprehended, which I laud and commend the police for doing that thankless job because they're out there in between us and them, you know, and Mark knows well what that means. But uh, uh, this administration just won't call it what it is, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a group of lawbreakers who are doing the the crime. They're they're the ones murdering. They're the ones injuring. They're the ones threatening. They're the terrorists, basically, in our borders of our nation. And I just don't understand why the finger has to get pointed across the room at a group of folks who aren't causing this. I agree with you there. And my gripe with it is that it really does not address gun crime. No, not at all. Zero. Exactly. I don't know of a legally owned AR-15 pistol or AR or AK-47 pistol being used in crimes. I'm saying I'm not saying that they haven't been. I'm saying I don't know of one. However, I know that AR pistols have been used to commit crimes. In fact, a friend of ours, police officer, Nick O'Rear, was killed with an AK pistol. And the thing is, it was not legally owned. This was a former felon, this, and he was a felon in possession of a firearm. Yeah, so, I mean, that's so already it was, illegal. It was already illegal. And I do not think it had a brace on it. I'm pretty sure it did not. And the guy fired it while driving a car, so he was firing it one-handed anyway. But it it just it gripes me that they attack the gun instead of the criminal. And this is going to do nothing to change the crime rate anywhere. Well, I think you and I both know it. And we try to avoid a lot of hotbed political issues on 
practical prepping podcast, but we also know that several of our listeners are also indeed those peace-loving, law-abiding firearm owners, and it, this this will affect you, and you need to have some awareness, and uh, you probably agree with us that it, it represents a greater agenda, and it makes me fearful that the idea is guns represent a certain amount of liberty, and that's what the forefathers had in mind. Exactly, and th- this is one of those situations where when I actually brought this up, Krista said, do you really want to go down the politics of this? I said, it's not the politics of this I necessarily want to go down. It's I want our listeners, and I know there is a percentage of our listeners that own an AR or an AK with a pistol brace on it. So I want them informed. Yeah. I want them aware. And we're not going to go much further down this road, but I wanted you aware of that today. And that is the reason that this uh, came up and that we wanted to bring it to you. Right. All right, let's talk quickly about our sponsors. Just mention them, and we certainly appreciate their support. One is Pro One Gravity Water Filters. Yes, we do love our Pro One. We use it every day. We refill that dude about every couple of days, uh, our coffee and our tea. If not a couple of times a day. I filled it twice yesterday. Yes, our cats love it, and we sure love it. (laughs) Pro Line Design, they are our digital gurus. They offer custom apps. They can build your website. They can provide your hosting. The base handgun training system. If you've not had formal firearm training, this is a video-based handgun training system, and there's a $50 discount link on the front of our website. Also, Clean Start. We use their hand sanitizer. It's an antiseptic hand sanitizer that has no alcohol. That's also good. But it also will kill germs for three hours after you have applied it. And there's a 25% discount for our listeners if you use our link on the front of the website. And then Jim Curtis Knives. Jim Curtis makes a beautiful knife, and it's as functional as it is beautiful. And it comes with a lifetime guarantee. It comes with lifetime sharpening. And it comes with two Band-Aids because, yes, it is that sharp. Yeah, you've used both of yours, haven't you? Uh, You've got four Band-Aids, and you've used them all four. (laughs) uh, Plus some. Plus some. Plus some. But that's not the nice fault, not Jim's fault. No, no. It came sharp. and Now, Jim has some ready-made knives that you can purchase from, like, if you look on his Facebook Mm -hmm. site. He'll also custom-make a knife to your specifications. Exactly. You can pick the handles you want. You pick the steel you want. You pick the shape you want. And Jim can build it. He is linked off of our website as well. All of our sponsors are, and so we'd appreciate it if you check them out today. All right, let's talk about some methods for purifying water. Well, there are chemical treatments. Most of us are aware that chemical treatments will kill things like microorganisms. Here's just a few. E. coli, salmonella, cholera. It'll also kill viruses. Chlorine is a chemical treatment, and it'll kill this bad dude called cryptosporidium. Now, chlorine will kill cryptosporidium, but iodine will not. So be aware of that. Different methods, use different chemicals, different compounds. And you know something I found out that I didn't realize? The very temperature of the water and the pH level of the water can have an effect on the outcome of that chemical treatment. The majority of prepper plans 
involve using bleach as a water purification method. Yeah, it's, it's commonly used. It's tried and true, been around a long time. And we've used it. We've stock it. We keep it. And many of the tablets that we'll talk about in a minute, they are chlorine-based. Now, bleach is sodium hypochlorite, and it usually comes in a 3% to 8% concentration. Mm-hmm. It's caustic. It has a taste and a smell, and they are not great. But one thing about bleach, you need to beware of the expiration date. See, I didn't realize that bleach expired. I didn't either. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew you didn't want to be using it two years down the road, but I, I didn't know that it's basically six months to a year. Okay. And there's some things that you want to do, and that's rotate it like you do everything else. Right. So if you're prepping bleach and you got three or four or five gallons in your prep closet, there will be an expiration code on there. So you may want to consider how you want to use those and maybe use them a little more often to kind of rotate them. Yeah, and pull it out and, you know, use it for cleaning. I clean my Mm -hmm. CPAP with chlorine bleach. Mm -hmm. I think they say don't do that, but I do it anyway. It's very easy and it does handle the problem. It gets all the critters out of my CPAP that I don't want in there. If you're going to rotate it, you just probably need to buy a new prepper bottle every six months or so. I would think so. Now, if we're using it for water purification, a gallon is going to last a long, (laughs) long time when you're talking four to eight drops. You can rotate that to your regular use bottle, and then you can replace your prepper bottle. Now, there are some bleaches that you should not use for water purifying purposes, and that would be... Any bleach that has a scent added, the most popular being lemon and lavender. You also see linen from time to time, but do not use a scented bleach. Do not use the gel, uh, also known as the no splash type of bleach. I actually use that in my laundry, but not for water purification. And you also do not want to use the bleach out of those little topical bleach pens because there are additional chemical additives in that pen that are not suitable for water purification. Now, you want to strain your water to remove all the suspended materials. And here I'm talking about if you source your water out of a mud hole or out of the creek or out of the river, you want to run that through some cotton or something first to remove as much of the suspended stuff as you can. Now, if the water is cloudy, you're going to double the amount of bleach. And we're going to talk about how much here in just a second. But if it's cloudy, you want to double the amount of bleach that you use in there. Now, the ratio, the generally accepted ratio is two drops per liter. Which is roughly a quart. Yeah. Yeah. Or eight drops per gallon. Okay. Which is four quarts. Yes, exactly. Now, Clorox on their website, their material says four drops per quart or 16 drops per gallon. So they've already doubled the generally accepted. Probably the generally accepted is what they call the rock bottom bare minimum. Well, I I really don't know. But Mm -hmm. I know since we started prepping and I started researching some of it, it was always two drops per liter or two drops per quart. Mm, Okay. But I was a little bit surprised to see that Clorox maintains four drops per quart. So what that tells me is it's not really that critical if you're using two, three, four drops. Okay. 
So then you let it stand for 30 minutes. And if it's properly treated, it should have a slight odor of chlorine. Okay, almost like how some city water coming out of the tap can sometimes have just that Mm -hmm. brief hint of that hit of chlorine. That is what you expect to smell after you have treated the water. Exactly. Okay. Or like swimming pool. Okay. Now, swimming pool can be kind of strong. It, it can be. <laughs> and now, when we're talking about bleach, it is one of the three main chemicals used in making water purification tablets or water purification powders. Okay. Now, it does fight bacteria. It fights viruses and giardia. Those are things that we really don't want to be drinking. Mm -mm. Now, it does work better in a pill than in a liquid form because of some of the additional sodium-based ingredients that go into the tablets. That actually may have something to do with what it tastes like, Mm -hmm. you know, after you've used that pill. Now, bleach works in a large assortment of pH levels, so we're good there. Mm -hmm. Now, it does have a strong chemical taste and smell. It has that aftertaste. But it's drinkable. Well, that's that's much more preferred than, say, a good case of Giardia or cholera yeah, or one of those. Exactly. Once, and this is with all of these, once you treat the water, you shouldn't leave it in storage for any length of time because it can lead to recontamination. So the takeaway I have there is just purify the water you're going to use on a fairly mm-hmm. immediate basis, yeah. maybe a day or less. Or two, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Now, you also have chlorine dioxide, and this fights all of the other, the bacteria, the viruses, the parasites, the cryptosporidian, and the giardia, but it requires a longer treatment time. And it's slightly more expensive than some of the other methods, but it does kill a greater range of microorganisms. And so it's probably the superior choice in water treatment options when it comes to the pills. Okay. And also, it doesn't leave much of an aftertaste. So this may be important information if you know where you're sourcing your water. I just had this thought. If you're sourcing your water from the creek next to like a biohazard research facility, you may want to go with that chlorine dioxide because they may be leaching something into the water that's a little bit more additional than, say, any old creek or river. Or you may want to go upstream of the, (laughs) you know, that Yes, but, you know, follow Follow the upstream. Now, you talked about iodine. You mentioned it a while ago, but that fights bacteria and viruses and giardia. It works best in warm water, but its effectiveness slows down in cold water, and it'll take it longer to disinfect. I see. But now the amount of iodine needed to purify the water changes depending on how contaminated or how cloudy the water is. So go by the instructions that come with the iodine water treatment. But you will find that iodine, though it's very usable, it does leave a strong rust-like taste. Okay. Let's talk about purification tablets and powders. And here are a few brand names, and there are some that we carry and some that are available in different markets. They go by these names, Aquamira, the Catadin MicroPure MP1, Coglin's Germicidal Tablets. I love that name. Coglin's Germicidal. It sounds like something from like the Watkins era. Mm-hmm. Portable Aqua Tablets and Aqua Tabs. Now, here's the thing. 
Purification tablets and powders do not remove chemicals, minerals, or heavy metals. And if the water is cloudy, it will take a larger dose of this product. And it doesn't remove herbicides and pesticides. Oh, okay. And you can have that run off from the farm fields and such into the water. So, But clearly the benefit of purification tablets is their lightweight packability in your you know, bug out bag, your get home bag, simply because now you've got this small tablet you can easily pocket in your backpack. We mentioned the objectionable taste from some of these chemicals. Now, there are taste neutralizing tablets available, and they take about three minutes to take effect. But any type of flavoring would work. That's good to know. The crystal light powder, you know, you, and my favorite is the fruit punch flavor. Yummy. You can even use some jello powder to flavor the water. Yes, and it won't gel your water unless your water becomes refrigerator temperature or cooler. And so. the amount of jello powder that you use might be considerably less than you would use in making jello. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it did. Yeah. So, so just a little sprinkle of powderized flavoring would, would be good to put in a water that's been treated with a purification system of some sort. So that's using bleach and using water tablets. And we're going to take a short break for our sponsors. And we're going to come back and talk about some more ways to purify water. You have your threat assessment and plan in place. Check. You have food stocked up. Check. You have your get-home bag. Check. You have your fire and first aid supplies. Check. You have a generator and auxiliary heat source. Check. You have everything you need to keep your family safe, happy, and fed for a month. Except water. A family of four would need a minimum of 120 gallons just for a month. That's a lot of water. It's heavy, and it takes up a lot of space. For less than the cost of water containers to store that 120 gallons, you can have a family-sized Pro One gravity water filter. Then, as long as you can source water from a creek, a stream, river, lake, pond, even a mud hole, you can have crystal clear, clean drinking water. We have the big plus. Not only is it the backbone of our emergency water plan, we use it every day. It makes the water taste better. It is so simple to operate. Just put unfiltered water into the top portion and clean, safe water comes out into the bottom portion. The Pro One Gravity Water Filter takes out over 200 contaminants, including viruses, bacteria, parasites, heavy metals, herbicides and pesticides, microplastics, acids, pharmaceuticals, and more. There's a Pro One Gravity Water Filter for you. Go to our website, www.practicalprepping.info. Click on that link and check it out. Clean Start. It's alcohol-free hand sanitizer, and it's an antiseptic concentrate. One small 3.5-ounce bottle will make a gallon of product. Find Clean Start on our website where you will receive a 25% discount. Welcome back. Let's talk about mechanical filtering. And this can range from a personal water filter like a Sawyer Mini or a Life Straw. To a countertop level, something like what we have with mm -hmm. the Pro One Gravity water filter. Or the whole house system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with the whole house system, and I know you want one. 
you, you I've had one you've before had one and, I and you want it. one. Yeah. But you can't use the whole house water system if the water system is down. That is true. If you've not getting water coming in, you can't use that whole house system. And we have seen that in storm situation aftermath mm-hmm. where the city has shut down the utility of the water pumping through the pipes. And so that taps just wide open and nothing's coming out. And we got a sweet email from a young lady and she went through this freeze. And one of the problems that they had was that their water system coming in froze. The whole thing froze up. And so they have a well They had a generator. They didn't lose electricity, but they have a generator to back that up. But it froze. So they had to source water another way. And so we do need to be, even with a water filter, we need to be storing a certain amount of water, at least to take us through, say, what, a week, if we're going to depend upon our filtering system. Now, they all work similarly, whether it's the personal or whether it's a countertop, and that is that the water is moved through a filter by gravity, by pump, or by suction. So we use and recommend the Pro One Gravity Water Filter, but there's other popular brands as well. Yeah, in addition to that, probably the top three are the Pro One, the Berkey, and the Katadyn. Mm-hmm. And they're Berkey's all, a well-known name. The, it's a well-known name, and in some circles, the Katadyn is. Yeah. Now, our top personal choices is the Pro One for here at home for our countertop, and we carry the Sawyer in our bags. Now, we own Sawyer and Lifestraw, but we carry the Sawyer. It seems easier to draw through, and it also screws onto a water bottle. But some of our family are Sawyer fans and others are Lifestraw fans. And this is the Ford Chevrolet. You yeah, know. either way, it's better to have either one than none. Exactly. It's personal preference. And that's what I meant by the Ford Chevrolet thing. <laughs> right. And we used to, in photography, talk about the Canon and Nikon. Oh, yeah. You know, good guys drive Chevrolets and they use Canon. <laughs> and we can always get an argument going over yeah. which one's the best. Sure. But it's all personal preference, really, in pretty much anything that you do. Exactly. Several companies, including Sawyer, make a system that you can hang a bag in a tree and use it like a gravity filter and filter a larger quantity of water. So you can do a quart or two at a time by letting it drain through that filter. Let's talk about activated charcoal filtering. And Krista had a lot of enlightening information for me when we got into the research on this. But let me say up front, do not use that instant light charcoal that you have for the grill. That has other types of chemicals in there that you don't want to be drinking. Well, and I think Mark was referring to the word charcoal is a little dicey here. Yes, you can actually use some forms of untreated, professionally created charcoal. But from my years in the pet industry, we learned that activated carbon is really what you're looking for when it comes to filtering water because activated carbon 
is the product that is used in water filtration for aquariums. And sometimes you used to, back in the olden days when I first got into the business, you would actually create your own filter with your own, you'd pour in activated carbon and sandwich it in between two layers of like a cotton batting material. And that would be your carbon filter. Now they make filter cartridges for aquarium hanging on the back filters that has the carbon already built in. And the reason that activated carbon is more highly prized in terms of water filtration, it's much more pure. Every surface of that piece of carbon is kind of jagged and misshapen. It's no, it's not symmetrical. And it's highly, 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 highly porous. So water can pass right through it, just like walking through a door. And the reason carbon works so well is because it forces water to slow down and go slowly through the chambers and levels of that purification pebble. And it'll even remove gases from the water. It will neutralize the ammonia that the fish are producing. I mean, people often ask, how can fish swim around in their own dining room and bathroom? And I said, because nature knows what it's doing. It has a good designer and that these natural properties, when water passes through it over and over and over on a circulation type basis, what you find on the outcome is neutralize the bad stuff and maximize the good stuff. And so activated carbon, you can actually find it in any pet store that sells aquarium goods. Well, that's great to know. And it probably be good to pick up a bag of a few pounds of it and have it on hand in in case we have to make our own filters. And we're going to talk about that in just a second, but you can use charcoal from a campfire. You can even use that barbecue charcoal that you were talking about, but you want the, the stuff that does not have the chemicals added, especially that for easy lighting. Well, I'll just say at the Kingsford, that's the type that has the lighter fluid right. built in. So Don't look for that. look for natural charcoal or untreated charcoal. Or cowboy charcoal is one that I think a friend of ours that competed or competes in the barbecue contest, mm-hmm. he would use one called barbecue uh, charcoal, and it was strictly charcoal that that's like all it pure was. Charcoal. pure charcoal okay. nothing added to it because those guys don't want anything affecting the taste of their barbecue oh, as they're competing cool. but if you're going to use it you're going to pulverize it you want to make it as fine as you possibly can and we're going to build a makeshift filter and here's how we're going to do that we're going to use a two liter bottle that works very well we're going to cut the bottom off of it And we're going to cut a drain hole through the top. Now, if you don't have the top to screw on it, we're going to invert it. We're going to cut the top off of it, and we're going to poke a couple of holes in the bottom of it as drain holes. Now, you can also do this with a one-gallon to a five-gallon bucket. You can set one five-gallon bucket on top of a clean five-gallon bucket by putting a couple of boards across there to hold it up. Don't let it slide down inside. And you're going to cut a drain hole in the bottom of that top bucket. And here's where we're going to start layering our ingredients. We're going to put a strainer in the bottom. And that's to keep the stuff in. 
And in ideal situation, you can use coffee filter or some cotton cloth. Yeah, just any T-shirts, even clean clothing Mm -hmm. or something like that. But you want something over that hole in the very bottom. You can use grass if you need to. Wow. Just be careful that it's not some type of poisonous plant that you're putting in there. Or that it's been treated with some kind of... Insecticide, pesticides, something like that. Herbicide, that's the word I was looking for. Then we're going to put three or four inches of fine sand. On top of that, we're going to put three or four inches of the pulverized charcoal. Now, you can put a coffee filter or something on top of that if you have it available, and that's just to keep it from getting stirred around. Then we're going to put two to three inches of fine sand on top of that, and that filters the particulates out. Then on top of that, we're going to put two or three inches of coarse sand or very small pebbles then some fine sand on top. Then we're going to put a layer of small rocks or gravel strictly for the purpose of keeping from disturbing the sand when we're pouring the water in. Now, again, we want to pre-strain our water for larger particulate matter. Maybe you could even put some kind of screening material over the top of that top bucket as you're pouring in. You can, but I'd rather filter out in a piece of cotton or something before it goes into my filter. Yeah. I because think so. your filter's going to have I don't know how many gallons, it's partially gonna be how big you build your filter, but it's got a limited number of gallons that it could filter. That's true. So I want to take the chunky stuff out before we put it in there. Right. Take the chunky stuff out with a piece of cotton. A bandana works great for that, but pre strain your water. And then pour your water in very, very slowly. I've even heard that you can pour your water in, say, along the length of a like a wooden spoon. You could. Something that'll just maybe slow it down so it doesn't splash in mm-hmm. and disturb your layers. And that's all we're after is to keep from disturbing any of these layers. And that's the reason for that top layer of larger gravel or small rocks. But now don't forget, and this goes without saying, have a clean container to collect your water. Right. This method does not filter out all contaminants. There are some viruses, there are some bacteria that can get through this, but you can filter the water this way and it's best to sterilize it by boiling it after filtering or you can use UV treatment if there's no way to boil it. UV stands for ultraviolet Mm -hmm. light. And talk about that. There are ultraviolet light bulbs. And again, this actually stems back from my experience with the aquarium world. Often the aquarium fish suppliers would put their fish, their new arrivals, through a UV tank where they just have light shining into the water and that UV sterilizes the water. Some people even use UV sterilizers for their home aquariums. Although I don't exactly recommend that for the fish's sake. And that's a whole different podcast. But the UV for purifying drinking water, I'm all over that. I'm all about that. I understand how that works. It is an electric system, so if you're power out, your UV won't work. But if you're straining or filtering or purifying water that you want for longer purposes or longer storage times, you can go ahead and purify that water with a UV system. You know, you know, you can't carry that in a backpack or bug out bag or something like that, but UV treatment is quite effective. It can even be done with the sun itself, only that takes days rather than minutes. Just be aware that even if you've got a clean, clear plastic water bottle, to try to use the sunshine alone 
to purify drinking water may put you at risk because you're going to wait. And the way you do that is fill your bottle about three quarters full, cap it. And you do want to pre-strain this as well because the particulates will absorb some of the UV light or it'll block it. And then you shake it for about 30 seconds to infuse it with more oxygen. Then place it on a reflective surface in direct sunlight. And this is going to take six to eight hours if you have 100% direct sunlight. So you're saying like lay it out on a white rock or something like exactly. that? Exactly. Okay. It's something that's reflective. You want to reflect, and, and silver would be even better. Yeah. If you're having to do it at home, you could put your bottle on top of tinfoil. But if it's going to be 50% or more cloud cover, you're looking at requiring a couple of days. Well, let's talk about distillation then. Uh, distillation is really the only way that you could purify salt water, ocean water. Yeah, you have to remove that saline. You cannot be drinking that salt water. And the best way that we can do that, now there are distillation units available, and they're expensive, but we can do it with plastic. We can do it with clear plastic. And any kind of water can be used if you are distilling it. It can be as dirty as you want. Just pour it on the ground. Now, what I've seen is that you, and, and those cheap paint drop cloths would work well for this, and that is to stretch that out just a foot and a half or so off of the ground. Have your water poured in there under that. The sun will cause that water to evaporate, and then it will condense on that plastic. And so put a rock or something in the middle to push that down and put your water catchment system under that. Put your bucket or put whatever you're going to catch your clean water in under. I like your word catchment. Catchment. And, and it's a legitimate word. <laughs> is for, it? <laughs> it? It is. So if you're. Catchment. It is. So if you're okay. playing Scrabble, look it up. Catchment. Catchment. Your catchment <laughs> system. Okay. You can also collect rainwater. Yeah, and we're going to use a similar situation. Now, with the rainwater, you can consume it without purifying it if you collected it properly. You need to use some kind of a clean catch system there. Or catchment. Or catchment. Use the plastic again. We're going to spread that out and tie it up off of the ground just a little bit. And we're going to cut a hole in the middle of it. And that's the rainwater is going to come down that plastic and drip through the hole or run through the hole, and we're going to have clean drinking water. Okay. You can use a tarp. You can use any kind of plastic. It doesn't have to be square. It can, you know, come down to a funnel. You can make it any way you want, but you need that out in the open where it can catch that rainwater. Directly from the sky. Directly from the sky. Okay. Because if your rainwater is captured from a rooftop, it must be purified. Yeah, because roof shingles are full of bird poop and rocks and dirt and crud. And that, anything it, else. Has I painted a picture? Yeah. So don't <laughs> use it straight without filtering and purifying if you catch it off of the rooftop. You can also boil your water. And, of course, boiling the water. Pretty much kills everything, mm -hmm. and that's what you want. The recommendation is to have a rolling 
boil. For those that don't really understand what a rolling boil is, it is when the surface of the water is literally undulating like you're, you know, spinning it. Now, there you go with one of those 50-cent words. You got me on catchment, and there you are using undulating. Well, I know for a fact that that's that's an actual word. (laughs) So is catchment. So anyway, rolling boil for one minimum minute. Most other people would rather do a three to five minute. And definitely three to five minute if you are above 6,000 feet elevation. Now, remember that boiling water does not remove... Any chemicals, metals, or particulates. So that's why we said it kills pretty much everything, but not everything. Well, you can't kill a chemical. Well, you can. So you've got to let it cool. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste all that great. You know, it's not going to hurt you after you've boiled and cooled that water. But again, you can flavor it with some powdered flavoring or even instant tea or something like that. I like using it hot and filtering it through coffee. Oh, that would be a good use for you. Could just put it hot right there. Pulverize your coffee beans and put them in a filter and run your water through. Do what they call a pour over. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's why I like those coffee bags that are like tea bags. And you know they're getting harder to find. I can only find them on Amazon now. Hmm. They're no the stores no longer carry our Folgers little single use tea bag of coffee they, everybody's gone to those k-cup things I know. and the k-cup things really aren't all that great for your get home bag not or your really bug out bag. not really i mean we're we're not against them but that's just oh, they're, not, they're that's fine just, that's not that's we've not, had a couple of yeah. coffee makers that use the k-cups and they've been right. pretty good right. for making a cup of coffee yeah but i prefer making a pot of coffee <laughs> your k-cup would be size of a softball (laughs) yeah there we go there we go all right we hope you have picked up at least one little tidbit on this if you ever find yourself trying to make your way home with your get home bag and you find yourself needing water on the way which you will unless you're 30 minutes away from home you're going to need water on the way we just hope you picked up a tip here that you can use in the field, and we hope you never have to use it. But as Krista says in the opening, the more you know, the less you have to carry. You know why? Because stuff happens. So you have to stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Practical Prepping Podcast. If you would like to support us, you can buy us a cup of coffee or you can start your Amazon shopping from our links. Both are on the front of the website.